Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. On this episode, our executive pastor, David Hardy, brings us a message about overcoming fear. If you want to watch the video of this message or listen to this week's worship, you can do so on our website, brookwoodchurch.org, or you can find all of that and more on our Brookwood app. Our prayer is that this message encourages you in your walk with Christ. Wouldn't it be great if we all looked a little bit more like Jesus? Many of you do. Some of you do. <laughs> well, if you're new to uh, Brookwood, my name's David Hardy, one of the pastors here, and I was not scheduled to preach today, but I must have been on God's schedule because here I am. Uh, Perry called me uh, near the end of the week, and he caught something this week, so he is sick right now, so be praying for Perry that he recovers quickly. Uh, but we've been going through a series called Can You Hear Me? And Perry's been teaching through the letters to the churches in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. And uh, we were scheduled to look at the letter to Thyatira today. Perry was going to teach on that, but he's, he's already done some research on that, and he wanted to teach that one and I wanted him to teach that one. So we're gonna move the series off uh, today. We're gonna take a break today, and uh, Perry will come back next week, Lord willing, and he'll teach uh, on Revelation 2, 18 through 29 that he intended to do today, and we'll just shift, shift the series by one week, so we'll end it on March 8th instead of March 1st. So that gives you an extra week to work on your own personal letter from God. If you haven't been here, uh, we gave you a guide that you can use to ask God what he would say to you if he were writing a letter to you um, similar to the letters to the churches in Revelation. And if you haven't received one of those guides, you can find it at brookwoodchurch.org slash hearing God. Or you can look on the back of your message guide today at the soul training and in the soul training, we review the parts of the letter that Perry's already touched on, uh, so this can help you get started on that letter. Uh, so for today, we'll discuss a topic that I think we all have experience with, and that is fear, the topic of fear. I wanna look today at what God has given us that will help us overcome fear. And those things that God has given us are found in our theme verse today, our memory verse, which is at the top of your outline. It's 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Some versions say a sound mind. And so we're going to learn that verse if we do nothing else, at least I hope that I help you memorize 2 Timothy 1.7. And so I'm gonna do some motions. I'd like you to do the motions after me. Uh, I'll go through it once and then you, you can, can do that. Well, you can do the motions with me. Let's do the motions together. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. Shake, a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power love, and self-discipline. 
It works for a sound mind as well. Okay? So just repeat after me and do the motions. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, but of power, love, love, and a sound self-discipline and self-discipline. Okay, let's say it all the way through once together. Let's take it off the screen. Take it off the screen. There you go. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Very good. Very good. Second Timothy 1, 7. Second Timothy 1, 7. Good. Unfortunately, I am well acquainted with fear. My wife likes to hike on trails, and I like to hike on trails, but she likes to hike up mountains and on the edge of cliffs, uh, and I'm not quite as interested in that type of hiking. So we were hiking on a trail in Utah last year, and this trail was, was up on a mountain, and the trail was getting narrow to where there was a drop-off on both sides of the trail, and it was getting gradually more narrow, narrower. It was, it was getting thinner, and Amy's just skipping along, enjoying it, going in front of me, and I'm getting more and more fearful, and finally reached a point in the trail where I just froze. I just could not take another step because I was looking on the the drop-off on either side of me and my wife is just flittering on further up the trail. But I couldn't go any further. I was frozen by my fear. Fear can freeze us and inhibit us from experiencing God's best for us. Now, there are four common categories of fear and I wanna see if you can identify with any of these. I think I identify with all of them, but see if one... Uh, strikes you. There's the fear of failure. The fear of failure. It's trying to get in my mind right now. When I stand in front of a crowd like this and think about uh, people watching online, I start to wonder, am I going to mess up what God is trying to say? And I know it's not rational. God can speak. Um, you know, Perry talks about God can speak through a donkey, so I'm good there. But <laughs> But those thoughts pop up. Are you afraid of failing at something or afraid you're not good enough? So you're extra cautious. There's also the fear of loss. I can remember driving our daughters um, away to drop them off at college. And there was this fear of what's gonna happen to them? Have I prepared them to be on their own in the world, what, what's going to happen? I'm afraid to let them go. I was afraid to set them free. Uh, of course, now when we travel together, they're the ones taking care of me. So what are you afraid of losing? There's also the fear of rejection. We want everyone to like us. We don't want to upset anyone. 
We want our appearance, our behavior, everything to be just right so no one will reject us, so everybody will like us. And then a fourth category of fear is the fear of the unknown, the what if fear. What if I get sick? What if I get cancer? What if I lose my job? What if things don't work out like I hope? What if I die? What really happens after I die? What if my loved one dies? What causes you to fear? What are you afraid of today? And I can imagine in a crowd this size that there are probably some who say, I'm, I'm not really scared of anything. We may not realize that we experience fear, but if you evaluate some of your behaviors or some of your thoughts, you might see some indicators of an underlying fear. Like when we react in anger or frustration or excessive emotion, or when we try to control everything or control all the people around us. That's some hints that there may be some fear inside. Some people say that fear is a lack of faith, which may be kind of true, but I think a more accurate statement is that fear is misplaced faith. I think we all have faith or trust in something, but we fear when we trust in something or someone that we don't truly believe uh, can take care of us or, or knows or has the power to do what's best for us. Second Timothy 1, 7 tells us that fear or anxiety is not from God. So let's take a minute to look at the context of that verse, 2 Timothy 1. Let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Timothy 1. If you're using this Bible that we make available here at Brookwood, it's on page 960. If you don't have a Bible, we have them available in our bookstore. If you don't have the money for one, uh, they have one that they can give you. Or you can download the Bible app on your phone and then go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Now, 2 Timothy is a letter from the Apostle Paul. Paul was a mentor to Timothy. Timothy is like his son in the faith, his protege, his close friend. I think I can relate to Timothy because as I read between the lines... It appears, it sounds like Timothy may have a little lack of confidence in some areas. And so Paul is trying to encourage Timothy. So let's look at verse 5, 2 Timothy 1, 5. He says, I remember your genuine faith. This is Paul talking to Timothy. I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continue strong in you. He says, I remember your faith, Timothy. It's a genuine faith, a genuine trust, a genuine dependence on Jesus. And it's, it's not new to you. It's not new to your family. I see it in your grandmother, in your mother. It's something that's been around you. You've grown up in this faith. And so it's, it's strong for you, Timothy. I know it's there. But there must have been some room to grow in Timothy's faith because Paul then says in verse six, he says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you 
when I laid my hands on you. Now, this is my opinion, but this is where I think I see an indicator that Timothy might have been a little timid, a little shy about using the gift that God had given him. I don't know exactly what that gift was. I don't know if it was a gift of teaching or, or some other way of relating with people. But Paul is telling him, fan into flames this gift. In other words, use the gift, get it going, keep it going, uh, get more training in it, use your gift, fan it into flames and carry out your gift. Don't be shy to use the gift that God has given you. And then Paul says, verse seven, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, this this timidness, this lack of confidence, this reluctance to use your gift. He says, this fear is not from God. God has not given us this spirit of fear and timidity, but he has given us a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. So that fear that you're having is either coming from the fact that you're trusting in someone or something other than God, or it's coming from your own mind or from someone else, but it's not from God. And even though God has not given us a spirit of fear, I think he knows and realizes that fear is very real for us. And he's given us some things to counteract our fear. So how do we overcome fear? First step is to trust the power of God's spirit. Trust the power of God's spirit. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But if we have trusted our lives to Jesus, he has put the Holy Spirit in us and he gives us a spirit of power. The spirit of power in us is the Holy Spirit. There's power to overcome any fear, but am I trusting that power or am I trusting my own power? I believe that what we fear reveals what we value the most. What we fear reveals what we value the most. If I fear that you won't think highly of me, then it shows I value my reputation. If I fear I'll lose my marriage, it shows I value my marriage. If I fear not having enough money, it shows I value money. If I fear death, it shows I value life. What you fear shows what you value, and it's okay to value those things. Those are important things. But what you fear also reveals where you trust God the least. What you fear also reveals where you trust God the least. Do I fear what you think of me because I don't trust or believe what God thinks of me? Do I fear losing my marriage because I don't trust my marriage to God? <clears throat> Do I fear not having enough money because I haven't trusted God with my money or trusted God to provide for me? Do I fear death because I haven't trusted God with my life? <clears throat> Overcoming fear comes down to where we place our trust. I believe that if we trust anything or anyone more than the Holy Spirit of God, there will come a day when we either feel 
fear or show some evidence of fear. So do I trust my own power or do I trust the power of God? I think it's good to acknowledge our fear so then we can trust God's power to overcome whatever is causing your fear. If we look at uh, King David, he is a good example of someone who acknowledged his fear but trusted God in the midst of that fear. King David wrote most of the book of Psalms. He was uh, considered to be a man after God's own heart. He was a great, uh, mighty warrior, but he also acknowledged being afraid. And when David was first anointed to be the king, Saul was still in the place of the king. He was still in that position. And Saul had fear that David was going to take away his job. So Saul told his men, his soldiers, to hunt down David and kill him. Saul was operating out of fear because he valued his position as king. And so David ran. And David ran to the enemy of Saul, to the Philistines in the country of Gath. And Gath, the Philistines, are the people of Goliath, whom David had killed. So put yourself in David's place. His friends, his own countrymen want to kill him. His enemies, who he's with now, want to kill him. And I think it's in this situation that David wrote Psalm 56. And so let's see what David says. Psalm 56, verses three and two through four. David said, I'm constantly hounded by those who slander me and many are boldly attacking me. So there's a real reason for fear here. And David admits his fear. He says, but when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? It's almost like David's uh, reminding himself of all the reasons he has to trust God, almost trying to talk himself into not being afraid. So David acknowledges that there are some very real problems, very real concerns. He acknowledges, I'm constantly hounded by those who slander me. People are talking about me behind my back. I don't have a chance to defend myself. This is unjust. I'm not sure who is with me and who's against me. And on top of that, he says, many are boldly attacking me. They're coming after me to kill me. And then David admits that he's afraid. When I'm afraid, what are you afraid of today Ask God, what, what, is, what is a fear or an anxiety that I have? When I'm afraid, where will I place my trust? Who can I trust? God has given us a spirit of power, his, his spirit. Even though what I fear may be very real and rational, who is more powerful than God? What can mere mortals do to me? What's the worst thing that can happen? Maybe they kill me or my loved ones. We'll end up in heaven with Jesus. What reason do I have to fear if I'm trusting in the God of the universe? I may be afraid today, I may be weak, and what I fear might actually happen. But do I trust the God of the universe who wants to show his power in me? Paul had a similar conversation uh, with God in 2 Corinthians 12. 
where he begged God to take away his thorn in the flesh. He had some weakness that he couldn't overcome. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, God says this, my grace is all you need for my power works best in weakness. And Paul said, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. So it's okay to admit your fear. It's okay to admit your weakness because then it's an opportunity for us to trust the power of Christ to work through us. Now that's easy for me to say. It's easy for you to say. Just trust the power of God's spirit. God's the most powerful being in the universe. I'll just trust him to take care of me and work through me. But even though I tell myself that and even though I think that in my mind, I have to admit that sometimes I still feel the fear. How can I really believe that he wants to show his power in me even when I still feel the fear? Well, if I'm having trouble trusting the power of God's spirit, then the next step to overcoming fear is to experience the love of Jesus. Experience the love of Jesus. I might believe that God has all power, but I might have trouble believing that that power is really for me. And I'll believe that more if I really believe that God loves me. Second Timothy says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and also a spirit of love. He has put his spirit in us so that we may know his love for us. Let me ask you, why would you trust someone? What would make you trust someone? Because you love them? Why else? What would make you trust someone? They prove themselves to you? They show it in some way? Because you believe they have your best interest in mind? They love you? What would it take for you to believe that I really love you? What if I gave you all my stuff? What if I gave you my home, all my money, uh, my food, my clothes, whatever I have, I gave it to you. Would you believe that I love you? Would, any, would anybody believe that I love you if I gave you all my stuff? Two or three of you? <laughs> what have I got to do? Okay. What if I went further? What if I gave you myself? What if I was available to you 24 hours a day taking care of every request? What if I was like your own personal secret service agent? I'm, I would take a bullet for you. What if I had your back and was available to you? Would you believe that I loved you? How many would believe that I loved you if I did that? Okay, still some of you didn't raise your hands. Okay, let me go a little bit further. What if I even gave my wife and children, and, and listen to this, and my dog to you? <laughs> to be placed in your service. How many would believe that I loved you then? Yes. Would you trust me then? You know, it's one thing to accept with our minds that God did that for us. God provides our every need. 
God promises to be with us 24-7. God even gave his only son, sacrificed his only son for us so that we could be with him forever. Now, that's, that's great reasons to believe that God loves us. Now, we might believe that God loves some people that much, but do we really grasp that he loves you, me, that much? 1 John 4, 18 says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Perfect love drives out all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. If we're afraid, it, it's a fear that something's not gonna go right for us, that God's holding something back from us. And it shows we haven't fully experienced his perfect love for us. And I'll accept that for me. I'll accept that there are still things that creep in that cause me to be anxious or nervous or have a lack of confidence. And I'll accept that I still have more understanding to go of how much God loves me. And really, this side of heaven, I'm not gonna fully comprehend how much he loves me. It's so great, his love for me. So I've got still a ways to go. But I have received a taste of God's love for me. I have begun to believe that God loves me. And that is what began my transformation years ago. Some of you can relate. When I was a child, my parents took me to church I heard about how God created the world. I heard about how Jesus, we celebrated Jesus' birth at Christmas. I heard about Jesus dying on the cross at Easter. But I didn't know what any of that meant. I didn't, I didn't understand what that meant for me. And so I was a very scared, anxious child. I'm not sure why that happened, but I was a very fearful child. At the time, I was an only child before my brother was born. I'm very scared to be left alone. I can still remember the feeling of when my mom would drop me off at the daycare and the mean women at that daycare. <laughs> and they made me cry. The more I cried, the meaner they were. I was scared to be left in that place. I can still remember the fear when I was in first and second grade, I told my mom she had to pick me up from school because I was scared to ride the bus. Now, some of those fears were very well-founded, but I was, I was fearful to be left alone to ride the bus. And so my mom would pick me up. And when I would come out of the schoolhouse in the afternoon, if I couldn't see her car on the street to pick me up, I would start getting scared and I would walk and be looking for her car. And if I couldn't see it, just like walking out on that trail, I was frozen in fear and I would start crying thinking she wasn't coming to get me, that something had happened to her. Now she always picked me up, but I was scared. I was a scared, nervous kid. But something changed for me. This is where I began to believe in God's love for me. I was around age eight or nine and I was sitting in a church service, something like this, and the pastor was talking about why Jesus was sent to earth and why he died on a cross. 
He said that God loved me and that my sin had separated me from God. And I deserved to be punished for that sin. And I, I accepted that. I knew I had done wrong. I knew I had focused on myself. I knew I deserved punishment. And he said that I deserve to receive the punishment of the cross that Jesus died on. And he said, God sent his son, Jesus, to earth to live a perfect sinless life so that he could take my place and take my punishment for me so that he could die in my place. And that he did that for me. And he explained, I deserve to receive the punishment of the cross and Jesus died for me on that cross in my place. And that wrecked me. I, I felt, I, I felt the love for me that God would send his only son to die for me. And it wasn't long after that that I surrendered my life to God. I believed and trusted that God was real and that Jesus died for me. And that was the beginning of the spirit of love overcoming my fear. I know I believed it because I went home and I told my mom, there's no need to pick me up after school anymore. I want to ride the bus. And then I quit riding the bus and just started walking home because I believed that God loved me and would take care of me. Ephesians 3.19 it says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. We'll never understand it fully this side of heaven. But when we begin to experience the love of Christ, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Some versions say you'll be filled with all the fullness of God. When we experience the love of Jesus, when we sense how much he loves us, it transforms us. Our perspective changes and it drives out the fear. But even though the love of Jesus overcame that fear I had as a child, there have been other fears that pop up. I needed a further experience of his love and I won't fully grasp the depths of his love for me this side of heaven. So I keep seeking it. I keep seeking, how much does he love me? I keep seeking the experience of his love for me. So how can I experience the love of Jesus? What do I do? If, I, if I'm having trouble trusting the power of God's spirit, I wanna experience his love. But if I wanna experience his love, what do I do? And that's the next step to overcoming fear. Number three, Keep on seeking God. Keep on seeking God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and also of self-discipline. As we said, some versions say a, a sound mind. A spirit of discipline to focus our mind on him, to communicate with God. I hear some people say that God gave us a mind so that we would have common sense to figure things out, to, to navigate this world. My mind can't figure everything out. My mind is not enough. God gave us a mind to communicate with him. 
so that his power would work through me, so that I would experience his love, so that I would hear what he has to say to me. In Psalm 34, verse four, King David said, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. I heard his answer and he delivered me from all my fears. God has given us a spirit of self-discipline to keep on seeking him because once he overcomes one fear, another one pops up. Keep on seeking him, seeking to experience his love so that our faith, so that our trust in him grows. So how do I do that? How do I keep on seeking him? You know, I talked about I wanna have more of an experience of his love. I know my wife's love by the way she looks at me, by the things she says about me, how she hugs me, how she responds to me when I talk with her, by how she cooks for me. I really like that love, how she cooks for me. <laughs> how she gives me gifts, spends time, time with me, plans things for us to do together. As I have these experiences of her love, my trust in her, my love for her grows. And so my step is to experience her love more and keep seeking ways to thank her for the way she shows love to me. And so my trust in God can grow as I consider and think of the ways that he loves me and thank him for that. Keep seeking God by thanking him for the ways he has already shown you that he loves you. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says it's God's will for you. He says, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So if you don't know how to seek God, one step is simply to think of the things that he's done for you and thank him for those. It's God's will that I thank him for what he's done for me. Another way that I can seek God is to read God's written love letter to me, to you, the Bible. Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. One sign that you are really his is that you have a hunger to read his word, that you continue to look for what does God have to say to me through his word. And he says his truth will set you free. It'll begin to drive out that fear and give you life. So we can seek God by thanking him for what he's done, by reading his love letter to us. And then you can also seek God by asking God what he wants you to know, what he wants to say to you personally God gives us a spirit of self-discipline to read what he says to all of us, but his spirit also wants to give us what he has to say to us personally, individually, what he wants to say to each of us in our mind. Just like David, he says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He can speak in our mind. Knowing his word helps us recognize his voice in our mind but we can ask him to speak to us personally. Jesus said in Luke 11, verse nine, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking 
and the door will be open to you. Keep on seeking, asking, God, what do you have to say to me? What do you want me to know personally? That's why we do things like this uh, letter from God exercise that we're asking you to do. It's an exercise in asking God what he would say to us personally. And again, you can find that letter from God at brookwoodchurch.org slash hearing God. That's a guide to help us ask God, what are you saying to me personally? And he wants to answer us. He wants to give us his spirit. We just read Luke eleven nine 9. In verse 13 of Luke 11, Jesus goes on to say that if we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more does God want to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How much more does he want to reveal himself to us, show his love to us, give us a spirit of power and love and self-discipline? Keep on seeking God by giving thanks to him, by reading his written word, and by asking him what he wants you to, to know and to do. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in his love. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. If there's something causing you to fear, trust God's spirit to show his power in you, to work great things in you. Experience the love of Jesus today. Seek his love. And seek what God wants you to know, what he wants to say to you, what he wants to do in your life. And today, an action step for us, ask God what step he wants you to take to seek him today. God, what step do you want me to take to seek you today? And if you want some help with that, if you want to talk with someone about your fear or you just would like someone to pray with you, our care volunteers are coming now. They'll be here at the front. We also have care volunteers at the uh, care connection room out in the concourse. And they'll be available to listen to you, to pray with you, to guide you, to help you to seek God. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, thank you so much for the offer you make of giving us your spirit I pray today that you would help us to sense how much you love us. And Father, I pray that you would speak in our minds what, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to know? What step do you want us to take to keep seeking you further, to experience you further? Father, we thank you for how you'll guide us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for coming today.